somewhere, but I must say this uh, little foreign journey, <laughs> this pilgrimage, literally, seems really to have been at the end of the day a typical Trump disaster. Okay, I can uh, excuse the photo ops at the Vatican and Israel. That well, was, even that there, was the family, you know. Yeah. And yeah. he had just met a boss and. Netanyahu, like a month ago, it wasn't like there was anything new to talk about. It really seemed like those were deliberately photo ops. How amusing to hear that the gift that the Pope gave Trump was his encyclical about climate change. And uh, Trump thanked him for it and then proceeded to lie right to his face and said, I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> and we've already been informed, by the way, that Trump hasn't even read the the Mattis, James Mattis, Secretary of Defense, uh, battle plan for defeating ISIL in the mid in the Middle East. So uh, Trump's uh, attention span is known to be uh, almost as short as those hands he's got. Well, and they it, were back in the news. Well, they were back in the news too. And actually, I was just going to say that the uh, lack of tweets uh, didn't mean that there were communications. Uh, emanating from the person yeah. of the Donald, who happens to be the president. Um, and it was a series of weird physical behavior issues yes. that are baffling and would be probably something that in a 12-year-old would be, you know, oh, hey, don't do that. You know, don't elbow through to the front of the crowd, mom might say. Um <clears throat> That was weird. Well, he probably got confused. He probably thought that the guy's actual name was Monte Negro. <laughs> and that was why he pushed him aside. Uh, uh, you know, look, I realize that your position for the photo is in the front, but uh, there's a way to get there, and it's called, excuse me, pardon me. Yeah. And then you wait for the guy to move, and then you, you go in there. Usually the president of the United States is in the center of the photo for... Well, Obvious except reasons. for when uh, they were walking apparently a couple hundred yards uh, at the G7 meeting uh, in Sicily, uh, and six of the seven strolled together uh, while the Donald rode in the golf cart <laughs> a, about a hundred yards behind. Um, now, is this uh, imply that there's some sort of physical infirmity? That we should be concerned about here. Well, he does love the golf cart. I've seen he loves one. the golf. Did it have his name on it though? That's the thing I don't know. I wish I, I, I had that fact in front of me, but that probably didn't. Although uh, that would have just completed the image of uh, him cruising along. And you know, FDR was in a wheelchair, and it was sort of kept secret from uh, a, a lot of people because of the way the media handled it. And if uh, Trump has an infirmity and can't get around very easily. I'm certainly not mocking him for that. But uh, he would never be up front or admit anything about that because, uh, well, that's just not what he does. Well, yeah, and it's interesting. FDR left Yalta early uh, to meet King uh, bin Saad. And they met uh, on an aircraft carrier, so to speak, uh, a big American warship uh, in the Red Sea. It was the first time the king had ever been... Mm -hmm off the land of Saudi Arabia. He was impressed, by the way, with FDR's wheelchairs. Oh, so, that's right. He, he wanted one for himself. So and, uh... FDR gave him one. <laughs> and, of course, it was interesting because at that meeting he met with Haile Selassie and uh, the uh, 
king of Egypt, Farouk. And Trump, of course, started this foreign policy uh, pilgrimage, I guess that's as good a thing. Well, the itinerary was drawn up by Jared, so it was yeah. going to hit all the religious photo op spots. Son-in-law without portfolio, of course, is back in the news because of the infamous back channel story. Uh, and by the way, the back channel... As a kind of a real phrase in American history, refers to uh, the back channel that was used by John F. Kennedy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, there was a real back channel that, in that instance in American history, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, of course, was a major event of the Cold War. But Bobby Kennedy was secretly meeting with, uh, and he had a portfolio. He was. High uh, ranking in the cabinet, Jared Kushner, back in December, had no official position in the Trump administration. They've still been working on that. But uh, Bobby Kennedy met, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Ambassador Dobrynin was was actually the, the man, uh, which that's what a back channel is. It's a legitimate behind-the-scenes maneuver for real diplomacy uh and it's a little unclear what this back channel uh involving jared kushner is really all about <laughs> is it about business deals is it about the sanctions uh i guess we'll find out when he testifies well since michael flynn was involved uh yeah there are <laughs> yeah questions but uh it's the trump uh the trump way as they say so this and you know and and to have the uh the NATO G7 meeting end in such acrimony with Merkel actually declaring today that, that uh, you know, Europe is probably going to have to chart a separate course. Uh, Macron meeting with Putin today. I don't think that Donald Trump did America much good on this trip. No, this is another win for Putin, in essence. Yeah. Uh, he has to look with a grin on his face at... Uh, dissolution between uh, Europe and its, you know, close connection to the United States. Um, well, Trump doesn't even get the basics correct, as usual. Uh, I loved an interview I heard last week with uh, military author Thomas Ricks, who has a new book out. Uh, he wrote some outstanding books about the Afghan and Iraqi war wars that are, of course, still ongoing. One was entitled Fiasco, which I think is an opposite one-word description of the Iraq War. I don't agree with everything Thomas Rick says, but makes a lot of really brilliant insights. And he was pretty blunt. He said that uh, Donald Trump is a profoundly ignorant man. <laughs> and he is, because he doesn't even understand the trading relationship between uh, America and the EU. Uh, he's criticized uh, Germany for the trade deficit that they have with America, pretending that it's got something to do with a bilateral trade deal that we have with Germany. Merkel had to just basically correct him and say, no, this is, this is an EU deal. And by the way, we have automobile manufacturing plants in Alabama. That's correct. There South Carolina. Here. Tennessee. Uh, you buy our cars and you buy our high-tech stuff. Germany, of course, uh, is 
many, many uh, black marks on their record throughout history, but uh, engineering skill is, is definitely one of their main assets. And uh, let's remember that Germany gets about 30% of its natural gas directly from Russia. So Germany is always going to have their own little relationship with Russia that's even separate from any nonsense about NATO or the G7 or whatever. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think Trump, you know, the idea that more arms sales in the Mideast are going to do anything good is part of the problem. Well, the Israelis, for example, have never uh, been thrilled with uh, America's willingness to sell high-tech weaponry to the Saudis. Yeah, that was controversial, by the way, back in the 1980s when Ronald Reagan first introduced mm. the idea of arms sales to Saudi Arabia. Back then it was called the AWACS sale. Uh, Saudi Arabia is not um, on really, really good relations with Israel. There's kind of a myth about that. There's this kind of... I don't know. There's been this promotion of the Carter Doctrine as a theory about how America's going to conduct foreign policy in the Middle East. Let's remember that Sisi, General Sisi, was at this meeting with the uh, other um, Gulf states and other monarchs of the, of the Middle East, where Trump made this speech attacking uh, basically Iran. <laughs> uh, he's got a kind of a theory about the Sunnis. And this this idea that, you know, this is a battle between good and evil and, you know, you must expel evil from your land and all of that stuff. I, I, I you know, I, I know that there was a lot of pomp and circumstance with the with the Saudi royal family, but Middle East relations are far more complicated than Donald Trump has any understanding of. And that's quite obvious. Well, it made sense for him to start his tour with uh, the medieval despot, basically. I mean, it did, unfortunately, afford the uh, president of Iran to uh, make some jokes about, oh, the Saudis have never seen a ballot box. Right. We just had elections here in Iran. Sure. Yeah, and that yeah. that rivalry between Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran is, is, is partly religious, but it's also partly strategic. Well, and that's the extent to which Israel uh, looks with favor on any U.S.-Saudi connection. It's just like, well, the enemy of my enemy is maybe kind of sometimes my friend. Is about the best you could say for the Israeli-Saudi relationship. Yeah, and you could even see today uh, in today's New York Times that Donald Trump has pretty much quietly gone along with the uh, Boeing-Iran uh, air deal, mm. airplane deal. That involves 16 to 18 billion dollars. Of course, it was reported over the weekend that the victory in Mosul against ISIL is, quote, inevitable. According to the American Coalition spokesman Ryan Dillon, speaking at a news conference in London, this was just uh, last week, uh, who are we helping? In clearing out Western Mosul, we're working with the Iraqi army, which is allied with Iran, not Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have George Bush to thank for that one. But uh, this is 
very interesting. They note that there are about 250 to 550,000 civilians remaining in West Mosul. And uh, the insurgents at the moment only hold about four square miles. This counteroffensive, by the way, started back in October uh, when Obama is president, was still president. So I'm sure that Trump will, America has about 500 advisors uh, in the uh, fight, so to speak. So, you know, Donald Trump really needs to get a grip about what's really going on in the Middle East. I don't think he's got a grip. It's got a handshake. Well, and uh, the, there was the other, uh, the French uh, handshake yeah. uh, was probably one Trump won't uh, remember, forget or forgive. Um, I won't even bother to go into the uh, Melania's uh, hand slap in Israel. Right. <clears throat> Contact with the Russians, but not with Melania, as one late night comedian joked. Um, of course, we have this horrible attack in Manchester. Big controversy about the New York Times publishing photographs. I didn't really find anything <laughs> terribly revealing about the photographs. Yeah, I couldn't quite understand how those photos could have in any way compromised an ongoing investigation, quite um, frankly. I do think it's interesting, by the way, in that very edition uh, that, <clears throat> I don't know, generated so much controversy around the globe. Lasted for a day, by the way. <laughs> You know, this we're not going to, sh you know, this is a breach of intelligence sharing and blah, 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 blah. But you can see how difficult uh, these sort of public arenas would be in protecting people uh, from this kind of uh, coordinated attack. I don't think there's any question that this uh, gentleman in question uh, had assistance and... Uh, well, I mean, most arenas that I have experience with have clear bag policies. There are steps yeah. that can be taken um, that sound like weren't being taken in this particular venue. Well, because he lived in Manchester and had probably even been to shows at this arena, this apparently is the second biggest indoor arena in Europe. Um, he knew that, you know, there would be, there's that sort of thing after a show where everyone's kind of mulling around yeah. in the concourse and people are euphoric about what they've just seen and nobody's watching for anything like that true and he just took advantage of the situation I tell from the diagram that the people who uh, passed away were right next to this guy basically if you did not hear the explosion you probably didn't survive this is a bomb attack that's basically reminiscent of the uh, Boston uh, Marathon bombing involving an explosive device and shrapnel, nuts and bolts and nails and that sort of thing. How interesting that they have a little map showing that the bomber's torso found behind these doors. Maybe that's the photograph they need to publish in the newspapers. This is what you're going to look like after you blow yourself up. Well, have any? Uh, it ain't pretty. Links to ISIL been proven? I mean, this is something that a, a group like ISIL can claim responsibility for, right? Uh, for the free publicity that it then becomes, without ever having to been involved at all. I think so, it's probably this is just not my, to say that they weren't. Yeah, and I think that the, this is just my opinion. I think that this guy 
probably had some connections with some um, self-styled uh, Libyan ISIL fighters. Libya, of course, is in a total uh, chaotic uh, situation at the moment. This man's background in terms of his family, it's, it's almost identical to the Orlando shooter. Um, he was allowed into Great Britain. His father was allowed into Great Britain because he was an opponent of Gaddafi. And after Gaddafi fell, they moved back to Libya, but they still had English passports. And it's bizarre that uh, the authorities were, you know, tuned into this guy. They knew all about him. So I think there's a lot of unanswered questions about this, but I don't think that the media, you know, knowing the guy's name by Wednesday, who cares? I mean, his name could be Bozo the Clown. It doesn't matter what his name is. This had already been published in uh, social media. So the fact that NBC and CBS were critiqued for giving the man's name out after the fact, I, I don't get that as legitimate criticism. That's, the name's already out there. Does the public need to know the name? Not really. Uh, not, not in the immediate aftermath, but of course once you know the name, then you start getting interviews from people that knew the guy. And it's quite clear that he was disaffected, that he was a, uh, <clears throat> that he took uh, the events in the Middle East, the bigger picture of the events in the Middle East personally. And it's just another tragic example of uh, the, this ongoing problem that's not going to go away. Of course, not mentioned in all of the coverage is the fact that when Ronald Reagan attacked Libya in 1986 with uh, aircraft uh, airplanes, they were flown out of Great Britain. Right. The United States could have attacked Libya with aircraft carriers. They had to fly around France, actually. Too. And Spain. Yeah. Because France and Spain would not give overflight mm -hmm. permission. And we saw this come up, by the way, uh, involving Trump flying from Riyadh to Tel Aviv. Uh, Saudi Arabia does not allow Israel to fly over its territory. Trump was given a waiver. He's a special kind of guy. So, uh, you know, this has been absent from the, uh, the coverage. Uh, Manchester has a Libyan exile community of about 10,000 people. But you have to wonder what, I mean, what's gained for, A, the people of Libya or the movement of ISIL in Libya by blowing up teenage girls at a Ariana Grande concert in Manchester, UK? Absolutely. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, absolutely so nothing. So it's... It's really more about, I think the term nihilism needs to be uh, the, the term that we refer to rather than Islam. I mean, they, these people have an Islamic background uh, in these instances, but uh, there's nothing Islamic about the terror. Well, some it's of nihilistic. His, yeah, and some of his friends pointed out he didn't even attend uh, the mosque all that regularly, but apparently got into one big argument one day uh, with one of the... Uh, Imams, when they were discussing, uh, we've got a, a incident on the west coast of the United States this last week of a guy <laughs> whose name happened to be Christian. Oh yeah, certainly mm -hmm. not a very Christian individual. Uh, clearly deranged, who uh, verbally uh, harangued a couple of women in a public transport situation. 
one of whom had something that appeared to be a hijab. Uh, the men who uh, stood up as good citizens to defend her were slashed. Uh, so is this Christian terrorism? No, it's just ignorant violence. Sure. It's got nothing to do with anybody's religious background except for in the mind of the deranged individual. And, of course, this guy, well-known to authorities, is a racist uh, poster on Facebook and apparently had attended a number of neo-Nazi rallies and is basically a... A loser. Well, and speaking of uh, unspoken things from the news last week, mm -hmm. uh, the passing of Zbigniew Brzezinski. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, intellectual uh, author of uh, what has turned out to be America's longest war uh, in Afghanistan. Sure. Uh, way back in the day, he had some uh, really great ideas about how we can really mess with the Soviets uh, themselves struggling in Afghanistan at the time. And we're still paying for those well, in, in fact, you know, the technical chronology is is that we went into Afghanistan before the Soviets. Uh, the so, the uh, Afghan uh, Afghanistan overthrew the the king. I forget his name, King Shah, maybe Mohammed Shah. Don't remember that. He was in the news a lot during the uh, original uh, George Bush uh, Afghan war back in two thousand and one. Been living in exile in Italy his whole life. There was a so there was a communist-backed government in the right. chaos of Afghanistan in the early seventies. Uh, but yeah, Brzezinski was the original architect of supporting the Mujahideen, as they were called. Uh, they were not called radical Islamic terrorists, although that's really what they were. I mean, one of their intellectual leaders, a guy named Golbadan Hekmatyar, who's been uh, back in the news, who's been back in the news. Uh, was a wanted man before he got involved in any of this quote-unquote political uh, intrigue and espionage for throwing acid in women's faces. So he's that kind of a guy. Yeah, and it's factually known that, that America's first contribution to the Mujahideen happened in July of 79. The Soviets invaded Afghanistan in December of 79. That, by the way, was largely in response to the takeover in Tehran of the Ayatollah Khomeini's Revolutionary Guard. The Shah of Iran had been overthrown uh, earlier in the year. He'd fled to, uh, well, he ended up in America. He was trying to get treatment. Once again, that was another Council of Foreign Relations decision involving Brzezinski, Kissinger, and David Rockefeller, Carter reluctantly agreed to allow the Shah in for medical treatment. He apparently was going to Mexico for a while and this, that, and the other. But uh, this Mujahideen operation expanded greatly uh, under Ronald Reagan. It went from about a $1.5 million support to several billion dollars. I think the total amount of money that was funneled through Zia ul Haq and Saudi Arabia in the 1980s was ten billion, and of course one of the fruits of those billions of dollars of U.S. taxpayer money that Donald Trump is so concerned about getting squandered out of uh, for uh, European NATO alliances was Osama bin Laden emerges sure from uh, those monies spent on Saudi 
military Islamic extremists. Well, and they were they were, you know, basically recruited into these uh, warlord entities that still exist in Afghanistan. The United States' uh, goals in Afghanistan are unknown at this point. I mean, even the leading military guys in America admit that it's a stalemate and that the debate now is whether to put more troops in there. This is a bad idea. The United States needs to get out of Afghanistan. No one has ever prospered there. <laughs> Leave it alone. Uh, these uh, warlords in Afghanistan cannot project power abroad. They don't have navies. They don't have air forces. In fact, in the Middle East, quite frankly, the only three countries that actually do are Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Israel, and Iran. <laughs> but Iran doesn't have an international navy. So let's get realistic here about <laughs> military power. But uh, unfortunately, Donald Trump is still living in the world of Andrew Jackson. Well, and now that world is divided because uh, they've reached a point where, okay, Kushner's been named as a person of interest. Uh, it's said that there's, we're creating a war room to deal with the unfolding scandal. And the idea that the media has been unfair, oh, well, you said you were going to cut your connections to your private business holdings and haven't. And so there's new questions emerging about money spent by foreign guests at the Trump-owned hotels and all of that. That's not even anything to do with the Russia investigation. So they're going to need a separate war room to deal with all of these distractions. That's you said a couple of weeks ago, this presidency is effectively over. Well, it's in a ball of confusion. Um, Trump, I think, likes to keep the spinning wheel moving. So we've gotten new proposals on outrageous tax cuts and I don't know when he's going to get around to a stimulus bill. That actually has some bipartisan support. But he's still trying to fight these these battles on behalf of his base. And I keep reminding people that are in his base, he hasn't done anything for his base. <laughs> that wall is still suffering from erectile dysfunction. Uh, Obamacare has not been repealed or replaced. And well, and some of the, really the health care and education cuts are going to hurt people in those parts of the country more. What's happened, of course, is that he has uh, given polluters the right to pollute more, and he's expanded our war uh, scope, the range of where we're fighting, uh, big time all over the all over the uh, <laughs> all over the Middle East and even into places in Africa. We saw, by the way, earlier this uh, <clears throat> uh, spring, uh, unbelievable photographs showing the, the, the bleaching out of the gra uh, Great Barrier Reef in uh, Australia from um, ocean problems connected with climate change. Story over the weekend about... Yeah, slowly rising temperatures in the ocean. Sharks. Baby, baby white sharks that are caught in uh, off Los Angeles uh, for the warm water and that this, that, and the other. It's you know there are real problems here, and of course 
it's quite well established now that Donald Trump has rebuffed the G7 on uh, participating in the Paris agreement from over a year ago. We don't know what he's going to do on that. McMaster assures us that a decision is imminent. I guess he's just gonna, we're going to have to wait till he finishes uh, reading the Pope's encyclical yeah. on uh, good stewardship of our home, the earth. Yeah, it's it's uh, troubling, but it's good to know that he's back in the United States and we can uh, be reassured that the tweets will will soon be back. How interesting to read from a recent Harper's Index. The total estimated value of free media coverage Donald Trump received in February of 2017, $681 million plus. And, of course, this is another interesting Harper's statistic from that same edition. Estimated minimum combined net worth of Donald Trump's cabinet members and advisors, $61 billion. Number of countries whose GDP is lower than that figure, 114. <laughs> you know, that's more than half the globe. <laughs> so Hey, but he's a populist, he's so a populist. it's going to be okay for the working Joe who just wants to vote for a guy who thinks it's okay to grab people <laughs> and be uh, hateful. And people need to focus and pay a little bit more attention to uh, how this is likely to all play out. And yeah. uh, when you have a uh, new congressman from Montana entering the fray with his punching fists uh, oh, right. flying, uh, Greg Gianforte uh, establishing a new trend for Republicans who want to fight back against the fake media by punching people. Saved by early voting, ironically, yeah. probably. But oh, absolutely. Of course, there were some... Minor problems with the other candidate. It's never a good idea when you've uh, you got on your resume that you played at nudist colonies with your daughter. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm but, you but, know, but not why, that I care, but, right? But, but you know, a lot that, of voters do. <laughs> sure, but those are some of the voters who voted for the guy who was talking about how hot his daughter was and that he'd date her. Right? If, uh, if she weren't my daughter, I'd date her. Well, you're thinking about it out loud that way now. So, good lord. The uh, standard and scale of hypocrisy. And remember when Republicans were big on family values? Oh, yeah. Gee, that seems like oh so long ago. And, of course, they tried to turn that incident around and blame it on the media guy. Whatever. You know, liberal, uh, they called him a liberal journalist. I don't know that there's any evidence to support that. But well, I think he was from The Guardian. He's from so. The Guardian, but that doesn't prove that he's liberal. It proves that he's a journalist. Well, I think anybody who, when you know, faced with a question they don't want to answer, lashes out with a punch. I think it's time to keep asking that question. Yeah, there might be an anger management problem. That's there. probably a good question. <laughs> and if it, it got that that strong a reaction. And of course, he was asking a legitimate question sure. about uh, the impact of health care cuts, the proposed Trump cuts. On Montana and the voters there. Uh, they've apparently benefited somewhat from Obamacare. But uh, but in a nutshell, that just sort of depicts the, the 
new standards uh, that uh, Trump has brought everything down to. Yeah, and what you can get away with. And one uh, congressman that apparently has realized that Trump is a sinking ship is Jason Chaffetz. 